This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. You can live stream us on the Internet, by the way, LarryKudlowShow.com, LarryKudlowShow.com. Be heard all across the country, around the world, throughout the solar system and the Milky Way. And by the way, join us on Fox Business Network Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 p.m. every day. The name of the show is Kudlow, 4 to 5 p.m. And uh, if you can't hear us at 4, then just text your favorite 9-year-old, and she will show you how to DVR the show. So let's do some stock market work. Great fun, <laughs> I guess. Stocks were kind of nothingheimer this week, pretty close to flat. Uh, gold is strong. The dollar is weak. Interest rates, interest rates came back. No, no, no. I am wrong. Interest rates fell all, all across the spectrum. The ten-year note, three thirty-nine. How about that? With an inflation rate of somewhere between four and six percent. Anyway, let's go to our distinguished guest, Jack Berugian. Chairman of the Global Smart Commodity Group, and Jeff Kilberg, CEO of KKM Financial and uh, Notre Dame Football, or something like that. Anyway, gentlemen, welcome. Let's go do interest rates. What's going on here? Jack Bruggen, what's interest? So I got a deeply inverted yield curve. Three-month Treasury bills, 475. The Fed funds rate, what's the Fed funds rate? Four and three quarters to five. I got a two-year note uh, just below four. I got a 10-year note at 339. And I got a 30-year note, 30-year bond at 361. That's very deeply inverted yield curve. What does that mean, Jack? What's that mean and how long is it going to last? Larry, I was always taught that that the bond traders were smarter than the stock traders. <laughs> you know, that was the one thing that was always pressed into my mind at all times. And the reason was because there's a lot more debt out there than, than there really is in equity exposure, if you think about it in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. Um, the, the, the other part of that equation is that you have got a, a, a very, very tricky situation. You've got monetary policy and fiscal policy that are diametrically at odds with one another. Mm. You have got a Fed that is draining and tightening and trying to fight inflation. And you've got policy coming out of D.C. that is stepping on the accelerator and spending trillions. Mm. That is creating a very uncomfortable situation for the market. Now, you know, people say, well, with the market's rallying, yeah, but that yield curve is telling you something. It's telling you that something is going to break. Again, I don't know what it is. I don't know when it's going to be. But the longer that the yield curve stays inverted like that, the more dangerous it gets for the equity market. And, and you know, that's the one thing that concerns me about the, the fixed income market more than anything else right now. That's an interesting point. Something's going to break, Jeff Kilberg. Uh, this is a very strange situation. And um, 
to me, it's got a lot of risk in it. But markets, you know, markets are markets. So what do you make of this? Is something going to break? Are we talking banks? Are we talking companies? Uh, what are we talking about here? Well, I think it's a one-two punch. And Jackie is right for sure that, you know, the bond market does provide leadership. And the smartest guys being Jack and myself who traded bonds at the Chicago Board of Trade, we like to say we're the smartest guys. Uh, but nonetheless, Larry, I think what we're seeing in the yield curve, it's been dramatic. And we're in a historic moment in time. We've never seen the rate normalization process that the Fed induced. Because, and why did they have to raise rates so high in such a dramatic, spastic manner? Because they had rates at zero for too long. They were buying assets up until you know February of 2022. So this is the Fed's mistake. We put way too much faith in the Fed. Mm. The Fed talked about inflation being transitory. But what I think actually is going to break, and I think you're going to disagree, so I'm just going to get everyone ready for this. But I think actually inflation is breaking. I think it's going to abate faster. And that's the one-two punch we saw. The two-year note, which was above 5%, tucked under 4%. The 10-year note actually traded 3.25%, almost a full 100 basis points lower than where it's been. So I think it's a one-two punch with the Silicon Valley Bank and some of the regional banks. I'm not going to call it a crisis. I think it was isolated. those horribly mismanaged treasury books by a bunch of novice bond traders. But I think inflation and the data needs to support this. I think inflation is breaking, and that's what's going on. But I actually am more cautiously optimistic about equities because the interest rate Treasury curve is coming lower. It's going to allow some of these tech names to continue to run in 2023. Well, look at, I don't necessarily disagree that inflation is going to break. I, I, I think it's been coming down. Uh, the question, I suppose, is the timing of it. But Jack, the question sure. is, if you, you're basically going from 9% inflation plus, 9 plus inflation, uh, your summer is around 4 or 5%, maybe 6% now. I don't know. But let's say inflation continues to come down. What is the economic impact of that? What is the earnings, profits impact of that? It's real simple, Larry. The market's way too expensive then. Mm. Uh, you're going to see earnings retraction. You're going to see a multiple retraction. It's inevitable. And, and look, what you just described is a disinflationary spiral, which is probably one of the Fed's biggest nightmares. It's 1990s Japan. You know, believe it or not, a stagflation scenario might be the best of all possible worlds for us coming out of this, you know, this, this ridiculous situation that the Fed and D.C. have created for us. So I, I, I guess the real question is, you know, and, and by the way, Jeff, you're spot on. You know, if you look at some of these commodity markets, and Jeff and I are very sensitive to them, you see that. You look at natural gas. It's moved from $9 to $2. Mm -hmm. You you look at lumber now, back down to $4. You look at some of these commodities, copper, back down to $4. These are are the the commodities that everybody was complaining about. Soybeans. You've got more soybeans being flooded out of Brazil into China over the course of the last month than ever before in history. Hmm. Now, that hasn't even hit the markets yet, but it's telling you something. It's telling you that supply chains are changing, but more importantly, they're intact. And what you you just described, that disinflationary scenario is more than likely going to hit the top and bottom line of most corporations. And if that's the case, again, we're looking at a PE on the S&P 500 that is probably 10 to 20% too high. Mm. What about oil, Jeff? <laughs> well, we kind of saw that one coming as soon as uh, someone from the administration stated that they weren't going to buy oil the next couple of years. So we kind of saw that one coming uh, from a mile away. 
we knew uh, that prices were going to go higher well, as soon as we have uh, administration folks starting to trade crude oil futures. But <laughs> nonetheless, I, I think that you know that was kind of a you know a smack in the face. But it really speaks to the fact that oil is going to continue to move higher. Mm. Uh, I really have a hard time measuring, it, and I don't know how, how the rest of uh, the investment community is measuring this reopening of China, specifically with all the political tensions going on. But I do think the demand part of the equation will also keep oil stabilizing above $80. But right here, right now, it really kind of reveals the fact that we are not going to see oil go much lower, either politically driven or demand driven. Well, I mean, uh, uh, Jack, you got people talking about $100 oil because of the, because of the OPEC plus production cuts. Uh, $100 oil with a weak economy doesn't make sense to me. And, no, you know, it, it doesn't right, make sense. I mean, the OPEC, OPEC doesn't always get it right. I mean, they, they haven't, because of our stupidity, and we've shut down the fossil fuel spigots, uh, we've given them too much damn power. I get that. So you got a $5 jump right after the announcement of the, um, of the production cutbacks. What was it? A million barrels a day plus. Uh, but you got all these people talking about a hundred. How do we get to a hundred in a weak economy? Well, first of all, it's not going to happen unless you're a big oil bull and you're living back in the 1970s again and yeah. think that, you know, OPEC has got that kind of power. First, here, here are a couple of little, you know, misunderstood things about OPEC. Number one, it's an illegal cartel. Yeah, number two, you know, it is, it is, they are notorious for cheating amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. They really do not care, okay? And number three, you have got probably one of the biggest off OPEC producers, all right, which is Russia, doing these off plats transactions. They're flooding the market mm-hmm. in ways that we don't even know, and that's how they're supplying their war against Ukraine. So if you, if you factor all of that in, you can really see that there's this battle taking place in oil. The other thing I'll say about oil, by the way, and, and just kind of touched on it. You know, the Biden administration came out originally when they started to you know, take out the SPR and say that they were going to buy it back at $65 and lower. Well, you know how low oil got? It got down to $65.17. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. Because all of us had our bids, and I'm sure Jeff did, too. We all had our bids in at $65, knowing that these idiots told us they were going to start buying it at $65. All right. Instead of going out and buying it and then announcing that they had started replenishing the SPR. So, again, sometimes you feel as if idiots are running our government. I mean, I hate to say it that <laughs> oh, way. Gee. But, you know, oh, you know, shucks. But I'm, I'm going to come right out. Oh, Jack. It's killing me. Oh, it's gee whiz. Me. You know, a little common sense would, would go a long oh, way. You're so tough on them. You mean socialism doesn't work? Well, here in Chicago, <laughs> we just elected a communist. A socialist would be a step up. How the hell did you guys? All right, let's talk about that for a minute, Okay. I know it has nothing to do with the stock market. Jeff Kilberg, how did this happen in Chicago? It's such a – I love Chicago. When I was with Bear Stearns for so many years, we had a huge office in Chicago. I'd go out there six, seven, eight times a year. I loved it. I'd walk up North Michigan Avenue, one of the greatest shopping pl- – maybe the best shopping place in the whole United States. I love staying at those lovely hotels, the Ritz-Carlton and the Four Seasons. What the hell? How could you guys, you elected somebody that's going to bring the whole city down. It's like the death of Chicago. 
You know what, Larry? It's so perplexing, but it's just so disheartening. Chicago, born and raised in Chicago. Chicago is just a beautiful, beautiful place. Yes. Uh, we took a ton of pride, you know, revamping Lincoln Park and the zoo and the lakefront back in the 90s and 2000s. And it's just so sad to see what's transpired. And when you, when you talk about it, and we'll see if it comes to fruition, they're talking about raising taxes. You mm. worry about the debt downgrades on the municipal bonds associated with the state of Illinois oh. and Chicago. If we see this upgrade in tax collection, because we know co- companies and corporations are going to be running for the hill. They're actually talking about instituting a one to two dollar security tax. Mm-hmm. What few yeah. traders are left and what's left of the CBOE and Chicago Mercantile Exchange. See in Florida. I mean, Jack, get the sunscreen right here we go, because it's just yep, so exciting right. to see what's transpiring. The teachers union, the teachers union finance this guy. The most left wing. I swear the teachers union is the most left-wing, socialist, cancel culture aspect of this country right now. That's what this going on. And that that poor guy, the, I mean, he was kind of like a pseudo-Republican. What, what was the final? Was it 51-49? Was that the final tally? It was, 50, it was 51-49. And, w- and when you talk about the teachers, remember, this is a guy that spent four years as a teacher and is getting a full pension. Mm. All right. Four years. And, and it's, 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 yes, that's, see, that is really the, the, the thing about Chicago that people don't understand. The layering of pensions. That's mm, how, yeah. and the entitlements, and it is, it is one of the things that is killing. And it's also, can I tell you what, in another few years, there'll be a textbook written about the failure of progressive politics. Oh, yeah. Chicago, Chicago will be a case study. I'm going to co-author it. Have, I'm going to co-author seen, that book. What we have seen over the course of the last four years, all right, when, when Rahm Emanuel passed over the city, and I thought Rahm was pretty extreme to the left, but he was trying hard. But when he turned the city over to Lori Lightfoot, Lori Lightfoot put it on, on life, life support, all right? This guy is actually going to pull the plug. Yeah, this right? guy's to the left. He's to the left. We're not, even talking, we're not even talking about the violent crime issues. I mean, that's going to be amplified moving forward. Hard to believe it could increase in the city of Chicago. How far? But- Unfortunately, how far is South Bend, Indiana, from Chicago? That's just hometown. First so Notre Dame, Notre Dame will survive, Jeff. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. Marcus Freeman has the direction going right. In, uh, <laughs> All right. South Bend, we got to take a quick break. <laughs> just, I know it doesn't have anything to do. We don't care if stock markets, Chicago <laughs> politics, whatever. Jack Perugian is the chairman of the Global Smart Commodity Group. Jeff Kilberg's the CEO of KKM Financial. They're both very old and dear friends of mine. I'm Kudlow. We'll be back. I want to talk about high, high gold and a low dollar. Next up on Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Now back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're here with Jack Perusian, chairman of the Global Smart Commodity Group, and Jeff Kilberg, CEO of KKM Financial. Uh, start with Jack. Dollar down, gold up. I can think since, I don't know, on the chart since late October or some such, the dollar's off almost 15%, gold up nearly 20%. I got gold at 2007, closing on Friday. That's a big number for gold. And the dollar, the dollar, what's the dollar? 102. Uh, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it was as high as about 113, 114. So what's going on, Jack? Two things are driving this. I mean, you know, obviously the, the negative correlation between the, the dollar strength and uh, or weakness, I should say, and the uh, and the price of gold going up. 
Uh, I mean, that's something to expect and, and remember. It. Things are, are dollar denominated for those that don't understand out there. So, if, you know, uh, if the dollar goes down and, and everything stays the same, in turn, it, it, it essentially goes up in value in dollars. So, so that's one of the things that we see happening. The other thing is a little bit more detailed and a little bit more nefarious, believe it or not. There's an arbitrage taking place. Yeah. You know, we talk about how, uh, you know, China and Russia and everybody's now starting to use renminbi. They're starting to use, uh, you know, whatever. They're using something outside of the dollar. No, they're not. Mm. What they're doing is they're doing an arbitrage immediately for gold. And oh. it's gold is becoming a currency. Yeah, wow. People, so that's the way people are accepting the renminbi out there. That's mm. the way they're accepting a ruble out there. They are basically taking no risk if they can, and they're immediately taking a, an arbitrage into gold. Mm. Now, as long as we see that taking place, there's going to be a floor for gold and a demand for gold, even if we see dollar strength. Mm. So, uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of gold right now. That is so interesting. Uh, right, so they, they get renminbi uh, or rubles, and they get out of them and go into gold. That's well, think about it. If you're if you're if you're BP, would you, would you want to hold renminbi or, yeah. or, or rubles? Right. Of course not. There's... You know, and even if you're going through a, a second or third arm, which in many cases they are, uh, you make sure that the conversion and the arbitrage mm. takes place before it comes back home. Jeff Kilberg, yeah, that you makes like, a lot of sense. You like gold? No, Larry. I do, but, you know, quick question or a quick observation that really kind of explains Jack's explanation of gold, explains the disconnect in silver. The last time we saw gold up around 2000 silver was $37. Silver's mm-hmm. trading at 25 so that disconnect is absolutely explained. But I think it's just fascinating to see people are really struggling to get a better understanding. You know, they started buying treasuries hand over fist. The dollar index, to your point, came lower. Mm-hmm. And here we are going in earnings seasons, right? We have earnings season. You're going to see the banks, which are kind of battered and bruised kicking off this Friday, but we have 25 days until the next Fed meeting. So here we are back in this conundrum trying to better understand where can you find a bit of a safe haven because the safe haven really has, it's been, uh, you know, who moved my cheese? We're trying to figure out where the actual safe haven is, but I do like gold there. I think there's more room to run, but it is interesting to see silver at such a deep discount here at $25. Maybe there's an opportunity for silver to kind of high tide rise all boats. Last one, uh, the best performing asset I can find year to date up 68.7% is ready for it. Bitcoin 27,897 Bitcoin load. You buy Bitcoin, Jack Uh I'm not. And for those that have got it, God bless. Hope you enjoy it. You know, hope you enjoy the ride up and enjoy the ride down. It's like riding a roller coaster. You won't see me on one of those ever again. Jeff, bit, uh, but, uh, bit, Bitcoin and the Notre Dame endowment, Bitcoin. Look, I love the Golden Dome, but uh, Bitcoin, you know, I think you kind of cherry-picked that number from year to day. You look at a one-year, it's down 50%, Larry, so no Bitcoin for me right now. I still right. like blockchain, though. All right, fellas, you're both terrific. Jack Berusian and Jeff Kilberg. Folks, we're going to take a quick break, and we have Monica Crowley and Liz Peek to talk money and politics. I'm Cudlow. We'll be right back.
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 